0: Well, good morning, Redeemer. So good being with you. I love having to talk over you as you're greeting each other in the peace of Christ. What a joy that is. We are working our way together through the book of Acts as a church. We are learning the story of the church and how it applies to us still so strongly today. And this little section is a hinge section in the book of Acts. It's the kind you might just gloss over and pass over quickly. But there is so much here of God's grace in hard spaces. Here Paul and the group meet some difficult obstacles. Relational obstacles, directional obstacles, obstacles about how to apply the gospel in fresh ways. And uh, God is there for them, and God is pouring out His grace to them in the middle of these obstacles, just as He will for us in our obstacles as we journey together with Jesus as His church. Would you consider now these words, they're living and active as the word of God kept for us. Acts 15, beginning in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers <clears throat> in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. You, let us pray together. Oh, Father, we praise you as our God who is abounding in loving kindness and mercy. When you passed before Moses of old, when you hid him behind the rock and just let him see your back, you described yourself as the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, abounding in mercy and loving kindness. And that is who you are to us O father jesus you have shown us again and again the mercies of god they are indeed new every morning your faithfulness is great thank you that you came to pour out on all who would look to you the mercies of forgiveness and new life in your name thank you that you come now to give us new mercies when we face obstacles Of walking with you of serving with you thank you holy spirit that just as you guided and blessed paul and his companions you will guide and bless us you will be the very mercies of god in our being to encourage us to sustain us to be with us when we're weeping to give us hope to go forward to give us grace to wait when we just need to wait come holy spirit today be these mercies of god in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Fran and I were on a plane flight in in our goings and comings from L.A. to San Antonio that we did across the nine months of sort of doing double time. And this was maybe six to nine months ago. And she was scrolling through movies to watch uh, on the flight. And she just decided to watch National Velvet, 1944, a very young Liz Taylor Mickey Rooney, and it's the story of Velvet Brown, the little girl who has to dress up as a boy to be eligible to, to ride in the steeplechase, the national horse racing event, and with her horse, Pie, she wins the race, and it's, it's, it's a lovely little movie. It's a, it gets sentimental people like me well, uh, and uh, the cinematography is pretty good, too, and you see the horses and riders going over all these barriers and obstacles in the steeplechase. Um, in track and field, I actually love the steeplechase. It could be my favorite race to watch in the Olympics or the U.S. Nationals when they show that. And uh, it's just amazing, right? It's not some flat race or just a few little hurdles, right? You have these, these barriers that don't give that you have to climb over and jump over. These pits you have to step through and run through and you may fall into and get soaking wet. Um, I I read a lovely piece, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, uh, by Ann Gaffigan. She formerly is the U.S. national champion steeplechaser. She set a U.S. record for women in the steeplechase for a time, and she said, steeplechasing is the hardest of all races. You have to learn to adjust and adapt when you're coming up to these barriers. A lot of times you can't even see them ahead of time. You just see any runners that are out of you, their bodies kind of bobbing and, and jumping their heads, and, and you've gotta just be ready when it when you get up to the barrier to deal with that. You're gonna to have to learn how to leap to absorb shock. Uh, you're gonna to have to learn, especially, she said, how to fall. <laughs> you are gonna fall doing the steeplechase. In big ways, she said, you know, at the U.S. National Trials on one occasion, Uh, Here I am, I'm running a great race, and I came to a barrier, and I slipped, and I just fell over. I did an entire somersault, right, and had to sit there for a minute, gather myself, and get up and start running again. She said, in one important international race, um, I slipped on the barrier going into the water ditch, and I literally face-planted into the water, she said. I fully submerged in the water. My coach has kept a film of that, she said, to keep me humble all the rest of my career. She said, you've got to learn how to fall if you're going to run the steeple. Paul and his group here, Silas, Timothy, Luke, who joins them, um, they are in the middle of a lot of obstacles. This is kind of like a steeplechase they're running, and and at least in one of these occasions, if not a couple, they fall, and Paul himself falls badly, face plants as it were, into the ditch of water. But as they're running this race, like steeplechasers, horse and rider, or athletes, right, track and field athletes, there is a dependence that gets developed upon a grace that is learned through the race. And as we're journeying with Jesus, it's a grace, not so much that we develop right, but that just is showered upon us, new mercies that help us when we are facing big obstacles of walking, of running with Jesus. Let's consider here how there are various obstacles and yet opportunities for great grace that Paul and the group find that we can find in similar obstacles ourselves. The first kind of obstacle Paul and the group meets right is a relational obstacle. This is where Paul fully face plants, okay? What happens? Paul and Barnabas say to each other, let's go back into the field. We've we've come off this amazing event at the Jerusalem Council. Matt preached to us so beautifully from that just previously, right? And we heard about the church coming together and deciding we want a gospel which is the true gospel of free grace in Jesus. We don't want Gentiles to have to come in and do Jewish traditions of circumcision or following food laws. We want the free grace of Jesus to be proclaimed. And so there's this beautiful high point and everybody celebrates coming out of the Jerusalem council and a group, including Silas, right, who's in this story, comes back to Antioch to share the news from the council. And, and it's one of these high, beautiful mountain peaks in Acts. And coming off of that, Paul and Barnabas say to each other, let's let's go back, let's visit the churches that we started on our first missionary journeys. Let's see how people are doing, how we can strengthen the churches is. And Barnabas says back to Paul, that sounds great. I want to take John Mark with us. My cousin, John Mark. Yes, the one who left us in the middle of the last journey. And Paul says, no way. No way. Here's the preacher, the ultimate preacher in the New Testament, of grace alone, in Christ alone, that we do not earn our salvation through self-righteousness saying, I don't want to give this young man a second chance to go on mission with us. It's a stunning failure on Paul's part. A lot of times Bible teachers will say, oh, there's just a difference of philosophy, and ministry here, just a difference about, Paul was concerned about how hard it was gonna be and if John Mark left again, how hard that would be. That, that could be very true. And certainly a lot smarter scholars than I am have processed all this. But I'm just saying the most obvious reading of the text here is this is a massive disagreement. What does Luke say here in Acts? That there is, as, as the text says for you, a violent, a sharp disagreement. It is the language in Greek of paroxysm. Paroxysmos. The idea of internal bodily convulsion. It's used elsewhere in Acts when Paul sees the idolatry in Athens and he has this kind of internal convulsion of soul of how they're chasing all these other gods except for the one true God. That's the level of disagreement. It's like an absolute convulsion inside this long-time relationship between Christian friends and partners and laborers in the gospel. Barnabas just wants to give John Marker another chance. And Paul says, no, no way. Have you ever been in places like this where you're living the Christian life together in harmony and blessing and peace and something happens that just tears a rift in the middle of the fabric of the relationship and you just wonder, how did we get here? How did things get so broken so fast? You know, Paul seems to almost be sharing with Luke his burden over these things. He, he uses this language, right, of convulsion, of paroxysm. He, he talks about what's going on with John Mark. It's almost like in, in sharing this with Luke, who comes into the story just a little bit later, a few verses later, in fact, he joins the party. Paul must have been processing his own grief over this. And maybe it's a picture of how Paul stopped and begin to process his grief over this with the Lord. The first step of finding grace in these relational spaces of fracture, of brokenness, of convulsion, is to stop, is to mourn, is to weep, is to cry out to God for healing. It's to know that in some cases, God will bring beautiful healing that you can see. You know, the rest of the New Testament shows us that Paul and John Mark have a beautiful mending of their relationship. Paul says, please would you send John Mark to me in some of his last letters. He helps me so much. He is such a faithful servant of the Lord. They've been totally mended. It's beautiful and it it brings tears to the eyes, right? But Paul and Barnabas, Paul back with his mentor, Paul back with the one for, who you know who had always stood by him in Jerusalem and had brought him to Antioch and who had stood with him when others were afraid of him or doubted him. The one who had trained him in pastoral ministry and in church planning. We really don't know if they come back together. There are little hints that maybe they do a little bit in the rest of the New Testament, but you just would think that Luke would go out of his way to tell us if they really came back together and he doesn't. Some relationships this side of heaven are going to stay somewhat out of joint, somewhat broken, in need of more mending. What do we do there? We grieve and we hope. We hope that God can even work good in the middle of that like he does here, sending out two missionary teams bringing John Mark fully back into mission, bringing Paul's new friend Silas into mission. Uh, Paul and Silas become an amazing team. Silas is a Roman citizen. Like Paul, they're going to go to all kinds of Roman places. And uh, Silas is going to be an important person. They're going to do far more than visit old churches. They're going to break out the gospel into whole new regions of the world. But it still hurts and stings. And we can wait for the fullness of of new heavens and new earth in hope. You know, I always, when I think about this, like to hold up my both my hands. Um, I think I've broken seven of my 10 appendages playing baseball uh, in my career. And on my right hand, the ones that I had there, that the breaks were less, but also I got great treatment from trainers and doctors um, and emergency rooms on all these. And these fingers look really good. On this left hand, you can maybe I can't really make the pinky get straight. That one didn't get treated except by me. This one is bent in a way because I, I got it treated way later. I was had broken it and was afraid to tell anybody because I wanted to keep playing. Uh, not so good. <laughs> the left hand awaits a fuller renewal in new heavens and new earth. And it's a picture. There is some mending here, but I wait and long for more. And that's what we can do and hope that God is still at work. And God is at work and we can trust Him even in the middle of that loss. Grace in relational obstacles. Secondly, think about the grace that comes to us in incarnational obstacles. That's a funny little label, right? But what do we mean by that? Of places in which we are taking the gospel and applying it, we are moving towards people, becoming like them and entering their world so that they can too know Jesus. Incarnation comes from Jesus coming from the right hand of God, emptying himself of all that honor at the right hand of the Father to come into our world while remaining God, still becoming fully one of us, like us in every way, in our frailties, in our pains, in our suffering, even suffering the greatest pains of death for us, like us in every way, except our sins, to save us from our sins, to bear them on the cross. Incarnational movement is movement toward people in the love of God to share the love of God in Christ with them. That's what Paul does here in this second story. He meets Timothy. Timothy is this growing young Christian man that everybody is delighted in. And Paul is too. And he wants to bring him along with he and Silas when they pass through the area of Derby and Lystra and Iconium. And But Paul says, you know what, Timothy. I know you're part Jewish and you're part Greek, and you've never been circumcised. I want you to be circumcised. I want you to be ritually touched by the knife in this bloody and painful way in order that you can connect with all the Jewish believers we're going to come in contact with. They you say, wait a minute, wasn't that what the whole Jewish... You know, Jerusalem Council was about this whole thing that we don't have to do Judaism to do Christianity. Absolutely. Paul before... With a Greek person, totally, Titus refused to have him circumcised before the Jerusalem council. Why? Because he wants to make sure that it is settled in the councils of the church that you are not demanded to be circumcised or to follow Jewish ritual in any way as an outsider to come to Jesus, that the door is now flung wide open for the whole world to come to Jesus as not just the king of Israel, but the king and savior of the whole world. But that's established now. That's rooted in the ground. So now Paul is willing to be utterly flexible and just say, Timothy, I know this is painful. I know this is difficult. I want to ask you to take the step to humble yourself in this way so that we can together be all things to all people so that some might know Jesus. It's amazing humility on Timothy's part. It's amazing humility on Paul's part. I love how the end of the last section says when Paul and Silas went out, that the brothers laid hands on them and commended to them the grace of the Lord. It's beautiful. They, they needed grace in the middle of that fracture. But Paul needs grace to not wallow in his failures, to not live in shame, but to be forgiven himself and to go forward in this new way, humbling himself, together with Timothy, and becoming all things to all people that some might be saved. Interestingly, Luke uses here the word when he says the churches were strengthened because of this. The word stereo, the word we get from stereo. It's like together, Paul's humble action with Timothy, together with their preaching and teaching what the Council of Jerusalem had taught about free grace in Christ alone, right? That together brings great strength In multiplication to the church where does the Lord by his grace fresh grace to you and to me want you to incarnate in new ways to be filled with a gospel flexibility as it were to become all things to all people I I was just convicted afresh yesterday of something I had decided a long time ago and that is you know when I travel and I've traveled a lot I usually uh, you know really just like my own space. I want to sleep or I want to read or I want to watch what I want to watch. I signal that by putting, you know, headphones in. <laughs> don't bother me, don't talk to me. I'm gonna do my thing. Like when Fran and I were gonna take our granddaughter recently, she said, Paul, you cannot just sit there and go to sleep. You've <laughs> got to help me, right? But but I'm reminded of what the spirit has inspired me with before is Paul, when you're on those spaces. These are unique places where lives cross. Be open to conversations I give you. And yesterday I so wanted to just watch my games and sleep and 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 you know, I kept my earphones out. I had amazing conversation on the planes. I had a great conversation with the taxi driver going home and, and listened to the pain he has. It takes five hours now at the San Antonio airport to get a customer to ride in your cab on average. Um, And we just talked and we just, you know, it wasn't any great evangelistic moment, but it was sowing the kindness of God. Now, somebody said to me on the way out, (laughs) she will remain nameless, Paul, does that mean I have to talk to people on planes? Not necessarily. Wherever your space is, that God is calling you to bend, to flex, to engage, to put off secondary and third level and nth level things to make Jesus the main thing. May we pursue that path. Grace in relationships, grace in our incarnational flexibility. Lastly, grace in directional obstacles. This is the part you might just skip over in reading this, but I find it to be the most beautiful part of the passage. Here in this section, we find Paul's got this new team, right? Silas, and now Timothy is brought on. And, uh, and they just go on this march across the whole region of Asia. Depending upon how they went, if you just kind of follow this route, it's about a 250-mile walk that they make across this period of weeks, right, that they're on this journey. And uh, can you just imagine what Paul is thinking? I've got this whole new missionary team and we brought Timothy on and Silas is on and uh, everywhere we go the spirit just says no don't preach here (laughs) Jesus just said no I haven't opened a door here no not here not throughout the whole region of Asia Minor not in Bithynia or Mysia not as we head down to Troas no 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 But in Troas, when they are literally on the edge of the continent that they've sort of traversed a section of, here God moves powerfully. Paul has a vision at night with a man in Macedonia over into Europe just across the strait. Would you please come over and help us? All those no's. All those closed doors, all those misdirections and cul-de-sacs are there to get Paul just with his group in the right place at the right time to be open to going into Europe. If all that directional challenge doesn't happen, the gospel doesn't come to Europe. It doesn't come to us here today. Here's where they meet Luke. Verse 10 there of chapter 16 is the first time. The, tent, the, the voice shifts from third person talking about Paul or others to, you know, first person, we. This is what we did together. Luke joins the trip. Luke begins to share firsthand experiences. If there's not this misdirection and this waiting and this dealing with closed doors, Paul doesn't connect with Luke. That partnership isn't formed. Luke doesn't write Acts. Luke maybe doesn't write the gospel. We're without all these treasures. God is working. I will tell you something. I I tell younger pastors this all the time. I believe it with all my heart. The closed doors that I have had in my ministry, in my life, have been some of the most important part of my whole journey as pastor, as a Christian. I was just, just uh, Friday night, I, I went over quickly to North Carolina, saw my mom again, saw my oldest daughter and her family, went and saw my son down from Raleigh, down to Charlotte, and then spoke at an event Friday night for a friend who was being ordained as a priest in the Anglican church. All these Anglican priests and even the bishop, they graciously allowed me to preach the service. Uh, it It was quite amazing. Uh, gift and blessing. But I sort of opened preaching to them, telling this story. And that is when I was finishing my time in Knoxville, when we knew that the Lord was ending that time and we had all agreed I would stay there one more year, my youngest child's last year of high school, and that they would transition and we would transition. I didn't know what God would call us to, but we just knew that we were called to finish there and be open to what God had. And so I went to this conference that was put on by eight different denominations among Anglicans. Uh, from the African continent who had planted Anglican evangelical churches in North America. There were 80 church planters. There were eight different bishops from eight different denominational groups. And, and a friend had invited me and said, why don't you come with us and come plant a church and be a part of the Anglicans? You like that high church worship anyway? You know, come on, be be part of us. So, so it was time for me to meet the bishop. He was amazing and kind. And I started saying, well, I, I'm really open to coming and being a part of y'all and, and planning a church with y'all. And, but I've got, you know, a family of four kids and three are in college and my mom lives with us. And, you know, I kind of need a quick path. And he said, well, Paul, I think, you know, others have talked about that, but I, I think, you know, you need a long path. You need to start out as a deacon, which means sort of preordained role and, and do that and learn what it means to live in an Anglican church. I said, well, you don't know, you don't understand, I've been a part of bringing so much of Anglican worship into our part of the church. And, and I love the prayer book. And I, well, Paul, I think it'd be good for you to take a longer path. You don't understand. I've got three kids in college. I, Well, Paul, I think you're going to have a hard time being an Anglican. Why is that, Bishop? I think you're going to have a hard time submitting to the bishop. <laughs> And so I spent the next 15 minutes, no lie, trying to explain to him how I could submit to the bishop beautifully. And then I just laughed and said, I can't submit to the bishop at all. That is exactly what happened. Face plant like Paul. That closed door was so huge. What I saw there with he and his wife was how they together just loved all these people around them. And it urged me to go back home and say, you know, friend, let's step back and, Let's serve more broadly for a while all these other people in the field. And God allowed us to do that regionally and then across the denomination. And that led us to be open to Los Angeles, which led us to be open to be here. We were just talking this morning about how honored and blessed we are to be here. If all those closed doors hadn't happened in all those other places along the way, uh, particularly even that search to become an Anglican, God wouldn't have us here to be with you and you with us today. Your stories are gonna be different, but they're gonna be the same. You can trust God with directional challenges. He has not abandoning you when doors are closed. He is guiding and moving and directing you. He is aligning you. When he says no or he says wait, he is readying you for his beautiful purposes in the life of his kingdom. You can trust him. May we find grace sufficient for our part of the race, even when we stumble and fall. May we know the great grace of our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time today around your word. We thank you for this beautiful text and all that is here for us. And we pray, O Lord, that we would be encouraged that your grace is sufficient. Grace for us, when we're in hard places with our friends. Grace for us when we need to change and be more flexible and just engage and put off pretense. Grace for us when we don't know where to go or what to do when all the doors seem closed. Lord, give us grace and may your grace abound to us and through us so that we and the world are changed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.